0: Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in Southern Illinois is a man who has no plans to wear his hair in a man bun, no matter how many goals that Gareth Bale scores. It's producer Mason. How are you this week, Mason? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, Yeah, I tried the man bun
1: look once on a lark, it looked awful on me, and I think
0: that I will stick with uh, the humble ponytail. It works. <laughs> it's preferable, I must say. And also joining us from uh, studio somewhere in the wilds of uh, West St. Louis County is a man who's always cognizant of his advanced metrics when it comes to podcasting. It's Sean Campbell. How you doing this week, Sean? Are you staying dry? Oh yeah, actually I
2: I had a nice little uh out and about on my scooter this morning. Um that's a joke for me and Mason. But yes, no, I'm staying dry. Uh my hill my my cave is on on the top of a hill in like a cliffside. Um so I I don't exactly have to worry about flooding ever reaching. I mean, if I do, it's time to build an ark. Also, <laughs> my voice is surprisingly not gone from the game on
1: Saturday. Well, it was on Friday, so I think that maybe that helped. Friday, yeah. <laughs> your voice might be better, but your memory's not. You know yeah. what?
2: You can hush, because last time, my voice was gone for almost a whole week after
1: the game, so... I do remember that, Do yeah. with that what you will. <laughs> I do remember that. No, remember we, we, we stood too close to the drums, you got concussed and couldn't remember what <laughs> day it was. <laughs> I got concussed by the sound waves
0: but uh yeah it's a good time let's just get started uh, we've got uh, city 2 action City2 hosted uh, what seems to be a real contender for the title this year the at the time of the game what were they fourth place North Texas the uh, MLS next pro affiliate of FC Dallas and their vaunted academy as exciting game uh city two takes a win takes down North Texas sc 2-0, 2-0 two two at home. Uh, Vitor Diaz, back getting the start this week after his injury, draws a foul in the box, gets a penalty pretty early, well, in the first half, let's say. It was actually pretty late in the first half.
1: Um, The first half was back and forth. Um, North Texas didn't have a lot of good chances. We generated some good chances, but weren't able to get anything in um but it was pretty back and forth at least in terms of kind of possession and pace of play um and then yeah Vitor Diaz cuts in uh gets tripped in the box uh at the 39th minute goes to the spot and top shelves it bangs the roof no chance absolutely gorgeous penalty and a nice uh return to form up PKs from the last time we had one to open a game which was a kind of heartbreaking loss or failure to convert
0: yeah and uh in this one it was back and forth it was an exciting game there's quality in the north texas side it showed but st louis city had a lot of chances just not able to convert they also had a goalkeeper who was pretty doggone good as well and well versed in defense and uh, getting out on the break i really saw from the north texas team uh but game went on City just keep putting the attacking pressure on. But their defense led to uh, the second goal that came in the second half. Juan Cousin scored in the uh, 70th minute. Uh, wayward pass from the goalkeeper was picked off in the midfield, given to Cousin outside of the penalty box. He made one move. He made a quick turn, made a move, cleared himself some space, and Whipped shot it. off a howitzer on goal and the goal. Goalkeeper for North Texas didn't have a chance.
1: Honestly, I would call this a Galazzo. This was incredible. I looked down for a second to talk to one of my friends, and the and it was in. I missed it. <laughs> I was
0: hollering Galazzo in the uh, supporter section there at the game. I, I did manage
1: to look up just in time
0: to watch him
2: make that move, and boy howdy did it feel wonderful getting to watch the- watch Juan make that absolute wonder strike. Oh, I knew it was in the moment. The moment it left his foot, I knew that was in, and I was yelling and screaming and
1: cheering before anybody else was. I was like, "That's <laughs> in, baby!" <laughs> Congratulations,
0: you win the first man up award. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a moment of class. It really was. Uh, the just the way he got it had his had his eye probably playing the whole game up to that point. Knew that he could take the man that he had that or was uh, against him there. Plus, you broke him down. They were in chaos because the press worked. Bad pass from the goalkeeper, one pass from the midfield. Sorry, I'm not sure who got that. Gave it to Guzain. He made the turn, found the space, and it just looked like that was his intention to strop that in from the moment he got the ball. Yeah, and that uh, it was keel Watts assisted on that one, Guzain goal. Uh, Which, that's really not that surprising either. Akil Watts is really good. And uh, that wasn't the only moment of class in this one. Uh, Roman Berkey, well, he was good. Got the clean sheet. Solid. Always in command of his box. Did everything you would expect. But there was one he had no prayer from. Uh, There was a break for North Texas. I... Don't know who it was that made the pass, but I know I got excited in a bad way as he put a diagonal that split two lines of defense. Uh, got the player on. He made a shot that just rattled off of the uh, top left corner of the goal. Berkey didn't have a chance at that, but it did hit the woodwork, bounced out. Berkey made a save on the follow-up. And that really was, the, as far as I remember, the really last hurrah of north texas though they may have had a chance later i don't recall that was absolutely
1: their best chance uh all alone complete breakaway and yeah berkey was completely beat on that shot it was the only shot that beat him um thankfully yeah it went off the post but
0: yep and he berkey did play the full 90 which coming from germany In a much milder climate, uh, kind of surprised that he did, considering it was, what, uh, 38 degrees Celsius, about 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, Pretty brutal out there, to be quite honest, but uh, a very exciting game that took your mind off of the heat. Yeah, and then also, yeah, because Berkey Berkey
1: has been in St. Louis for a while, so getting kind of acclimated because he left Europe before the big heat wave hit there but he's been in this god awful St. Louis summer heat for a good month now, couple weeks getting reps, you know, prepping. So um I I expected him when I heard that he was in the starting lineup, I kind of expected
0: him to solve all at the 60th minute. He and he stayed in and I was like man's a gamer. Anything special uh, come out to you at the game, Sean, as you were there as well? Oh, yeah. Um I mean, as much as we say it was a back-and-forth
2: game, it definitely looked like City had a majority of the pressure. We don't have those stats from BotMob specifically. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was a very exciting game to watch. The The fans seemed very engaged. Uh, one thing I noticed specifically, though, was a little bit of indirect interaction with the team. Um, I, I did notice that uh, at one point we started, you know, singing the chant about Josh Doling. And he he went on a bit of a tear, (laughs) had several great takeaways, had some good chances, created some chance shots on net like doling. He was just having himself a great like 10, 15 minutes or so. And uh, at the same time, Mason leaned over to me and he said, you know, I I think he hurt us. And (laughs) honestly, I think he did.
1: And (laughs) I mean, I think his takeaway. (laughs) I know he did. I said it as a joke, right? But, um, well, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, that was, um, that was actually pretty cool because I hadn't really seen a player kind of get energized from the, the chanting like that in the past. Um, cause when I watch, I usually like don't have the volume turned up and also my ears are bad from going to shows and standing right next to the speaker. Um, so I don't hear very well, <laughs> um, but like, you know, on broadcast that doesn't come through a lot and Um, you know, I haven't been to a lot of the games and the ones that I have been to that hasn't happened quite so serendipitously. Um, that was cool to see. Um, I do have some stats from MLS next pro. Um, and yeah, uh, even though it was kind of back and forth in possession, um, city two had 54.3%. So we had more possession, but the style of play, we don't necessarily need it. Um, we dominated on shots, dominated on shots on goal. It was really all
0: the chances were us. Yeah. There was quality on the North Texas team, but you walked away from the game. Uh, city just out, just out, not out of them really yeah, played them off the pitch, basically uh, against a pretty good team. It was very exciting to see again for all the chances created, uh, not a lot of goals, Two enough to win. Uh you know, Kuzane's was a high quality goal in that case, but uh still needing a little bit more quality in the attacking third. But for MLS Next Pro, City is one of the very tip top classes of the league, uh overall.
1: Well, and I think that you're also gonna see it just from the style of play. Where you play that really high press, that really fast attack, and you're it's it's going to be volume of shots, right? You don't necessarily need to score on every scoring chance because you aren't trying to be so clinical. You have more of a pucks on net mindset, right?
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So if you put, yeah. uh, but if you put a, a hundred shots on net,
0: you're gonna score at least one. That's true. Plus, you can get a deflection, you can get an unexpected rebound from a goalie that didn't wrap it up, uh, and have an opportunity to score. What I saw in this game was there was more people around the box, more attackers for City than we've seen in the past. Oftentimes, somebody gets through, makes an attack, there's nobody to follow up if the rebound comes off. Uh, so, that was exciting to see. Yeah
1: yeah I actually I specifically remember there were a lot of rebounds that were recovered for another shot or another chance resulted in another shot that was saved again and finally cleared there was a lot of action in North Texas's box from city two um and yeah, it that kind of that playing that rebound has not necessarily cohesed for uh for city two in the past.
0: Not as much as you expect, given the chances that they create each game. Absolutely. But at the same time, seeing that
2: starting to come together now where, like, you know, you don't have just the one guy coming in, putting the shot on net, and then all of a sudden everybody's healing it back so they don't have to, you know, so they can play defense. Sometimes you can make that mistake from the keeper, from a defender, and end up putting it back on net. I saw a lot of that in the exorbitant amount of corner kicks we had that game, Um And seeing that come together now, if we can get that to come up into the first team, you can see some absolutely lethal set piece work. That wins games. That is difference makers when it comes to playoff time.
1: Yeah, the number of corners we got really stood out to me. I knew it was a lot. Now I've got the number 10 to (laughs) 2. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. It was a lot. It was, like I said, exorbitant. Uh, If you listened to our preview uh, of the game last week, uh, we talked about uh, how many fouls committed North Texas, how many yellow cards they had. It was a chippy game. That added to the excitement of those in attendance. Uh, Five yellow cards against North Texas in this game. Uh, It was a chippy game. St. Louis City two was not backing down either and put in a lot of hard tackles and had a you know fair few fouls themselves. I think I think there were two cards for
1: City Two. We did also see that uh um that three minute uh off-field treatment rule come into effect later into the second half. Uh North Texas player went down pretty hard and had to be helped off the field. Um and then there was also a lot of screaming at players to get off because they were trying to play act and then had to remember oh wait I can't do this. <laughs> and then and then like they were rolling on the field next thing you know like we always we've joked
2: about players being hurt in air quotes and then jumping up once they get the call. No, this was like as soon as they see the ref ro- walking towards them, they jumped up and just walked off like nothing happened. Um as far as the player that got hurt, I believe we didn't actually see anyone get off for 3 minutes cuz if I remember correctly, he was subbed off at that moment, and we didn't have to worry about that. There was also a
1: hydration break at that time.
2: But Yes, although it, they did say over the over the loudspeaker, I believe, if I heard them correctly, the three minutes does not include the hydration break.
0: Yeah, and, and plus they subbed him off, I think, pretty immediately. It's apparent that he was hurt. But at the beginning, we got the excitement to be in the supporter section and keep chanting out, Three minutes! Three minutes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Till this rule starts to get exploited, uh, right now I'm a little excited about this one to see how it because that Rapids two game was ridiculous in the way they rolled around on the field. Yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah, um, there's a lot of holes in it,
1: but I, uh, it's a good idea at least. I think until we see a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah until until we see it being
2: used improperly. I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with it and I don't think it's going to cause any problems
1: until someone you know absolutely finds some way to exploit it. There's definite there there's too many loopholes baked into it that someone will not exploit it, but
0: yeah, but uh, there was a lot of exciting moments in the game we touched on, but perhaps one of the most exciting moments of the game was after the game had ended. The team came out and came over and uh, towards the uh, supporters section. They gave uh, Josh Yarrow the uh, loudspeaker, and he led the team in uh, singing Happy Birthday to uh, the St. Luligan supporters group, which was extremely cool. And we talked about Josh Doling hearing the crowd. I think they all do. And the way the supporters section keeps coming out in numbers. And that was. Just fantastic to see. Yeah. And speaking
1: of happy 12th uh, Super Soft birthday to the St. Willigans. Um, and yeah, that was really cool. I know that Josh Yarrow in particular has been very vocal of how much he really likes the support that comes out for City 2.
0: Yeah. And the crowd was big. And uh, we also went to the tailgate, and attendance for that was quite large. It, despite the heat, the crowd came out for a big game. Yeah, a lot of people there, even more than last time. And last time, I thought there was a lot of people. <laughs> uh, St. Louis City SC has not even begun play yet, but the major supporters group, the St. Luligans, celebrated their 12th birthday of supporting organized soccer in St. Louis, let's say. They've been to a myriad of teams in their history and uh, must say happy birthday To those fine folks, on that. Uh, we really enjoyed our time at the tailgate. Saw a lot of old faces, some we hadn't seen in a while, especially in Edwardsville. Uh, a lot of new faces. Uh, for the celebration, Second Ship Brewing, who's a fan of the supporters group, did their part. They donated a fair amount of, uh, cans of brew for them to have at the tailgate. And, uh, A lot of beer. It was a lot of beer. Everybody, and free to hand out to everyone. Big tail. We even had some take-homes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, enjoying one of the last ones as we record today. I just finished mine. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, also exciting at the tailgate What is he? what's his name? Uh, Chief Cultural Officer or whatever. Mastermind. Mastermind was there, and he hung out in the heat with all of us milled around people talking to him uh even uh, myself i had a nice conversation with ryan of st louis stars with him we're talking over the creative process a short one but in uh engaging and uh, the whole day i just found him to be actually incredibly engaging friendly and intelligent in the things that he said and he milled around and talked to a lot of people that that's something you really like to see somebody that's actually now officially with the club
1: yeah he yeah he was hanging out at the tailgate he came and talked to a bunch of us that were hanging out at the at the st louis punks tent um and then at the game he was kind of wandering about but in and out of the supporters
0: section a lot getting involved in the chants and stuff it was really cool and he wasn't the only ones uh Caleb Kiki were there as well around a lot as usually they are uh so it was a good time uh, a lot of people a lot of interesting conversations it was ungodly hot <laughs> yeah but lots of hydration of uh, around that helped also we were able to bring out a few friends a couple of which had never been to such an event and uh that's kind of what's going to build a supporter section is bring friends out and get them introduced to the game. Whether they come back or not, some of them will, because going to a soccer match can be very exciting.
1: Yeah, managed to haul two of my friends out, which I don't think they were tremendously interested, but they seem to have a good time. They especially they really like the tailgate. So, well, Jake, it wasn't his first time, but. He he is he is now uh he
2: he he found a chant that he actually kind of got involved in. I did see that. Yeah, I saw that He, he was actually being kind of, joined in. He
1: was being kind of shy about it, but I saw it. <laughs> hey
2: man, hey man, fans of all kinds are welcome here. You know, whether you're the loudest among us like <laughs> me, or you're just you're you're along for the ride, but you you just like being included. We want you there too. We need butts
1: in seats, or really really feet in spots but still (laughs) putting my oldest and dearest friend on absolute blast on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: not blast we're celebrating him (laughs) and his fandom all
0: fans are welcome here Uh, unfortunately next week the next game for City 2 won't have the opportunity it's an away match and boy is it an away match (laughs) it's a big one (laughs) Uh, not just a big game it's big travel I don't know if the team, probably on bus, has to go all the way to Tacoma, Washington to take on first-place Tacoma Defiance. When's that match? Saturday, July 30th, and kickoff is at 9 p.m. That's Central time, of course. Late-night West Coast game. Uh, Tacoma currently holding down on points, first place in the Western Conference. City in second place right behind him, and actually, because of the game in hand, holding a better points per game record than Tacoma. And this is we thought the North Texas was we thought North Texas was going to be a tough competition. This is going to be quite a chore for City 2, uh, despite City two being quite good on the road. Tacoma overall, right now is standing uh, at 10, three and four on the season. At home, they're 7-1-1. One one. Meanwhile, City has an extremely good record of 11-3-1 and, and an even more impressive 5-0-1 oh on the road. So you got a great home team against a great road team going up. Tacoma is classing the league in attack with uh, 47 goals, clearly number one. They have 40 goals overall on the season within 18 yards out of those 47 which tells you they know how to work themselves into attacking positions Uh, not surprisingly that leads to them being tied for first overall uh with 30 assists uh the other one is probably the other class team in the league over in the eastern conference columbus crew two uh as we get closer to the playoffs it's Time to start keeping in mind on Columbus. It looks like a real possibility for a finals matchup, and they're good. Uh, Tacoma, despite all the goals, you think they'd be, you know, letting in a lot. No, they're not. They're very tough. They're fifth overall in the league in goals against with 19. City uh, is second in the league with 17, tied with Rochester. Uh, we mentioned the Crew 2. Wow, they have an astounding thirteen goals against thus far in the season.
1: Yeah. Over in the East, the crew two are really running away with it.
0: Yeah, it wonders what the you kind of look at the overall standings and they're classing the East by far. I think City Two with Tacoma, you know, Dynamo Dos, uh Minnesota's pretty doggone good. North Texas, there's more competition. To hone your knife against in the Western Conference heading into the playoffs, which are still a ways away. Although not that far. Not that far. Time to start talking about it. Playoffs? Playoffs? Playoffs. The Defiance. It had to happen and you know it. The <laughs> uh, Tacoma Defiance have long been a USL championship team affiliated with your CONCACAF. Champions League winner, Seattle Sounders. So you imagine there's some talent on the team. And uh, this past week, they they beat Sporting Kansas City 2 on the road, 3-0. Uh, and in that game, they started five players on MLS contracts with the Sounders. One of them, if you follow MLS, is a very, very familiar name, Josh Tensio. It was actually only his fifth appearance of the season with MLS Next Pro. In his career with the Sounders, the 20-year-old midfielder has 37 MLS appearances, 20 of those starts, and 1,513 minutes. That equates to a pretty good overall season alone in MLS. He's 20 years old. He's playing for MLS Next Pro. Uh... And uh, this season, uh, he started off the season a little uh, affected by injury, got off to a slow start as they went through Champions League. Perhaps uh, Obed Vargas kind of took his place, who's now hurt with the Sounders. Uh, Atencio only has eight games played in his appearance at times he's been on the roster with Seattle. He has uh, two starts and 200 minutes played. Whether he will be there in Tacoma to play against City 2 or will be called up to the Sounders is anyone's guess. He is actually a senior player on a senior contract with the Seattle. Another player that's probably well-known to those that uh, follow MLS is Reed Baker Whiting, 20-year-old, homegrown. He's been called up four times to the roster this year as the Albert Rusnak uh, signing seems to push some of these guys back out. Uh, but uh, he has had uh, two appearances, one start, played a grand total of 94 minutes, and uh, he is a homegrown player on the homegrown contract for them. Uh, there's he had another name that you might be familiar with, is Afonso Ocampo-Chavez. He's primarily listed as their number nine forward, 20-year-old, uh, and he's been called up one time, but he is in a supplemental roster slots twenty one through twenty four, which means he is considered to be a senior supplemental roster, making the MLS minimum as his salary. Couple other ones, defender Abadaya Sissoko, twenty two years old. He's been played nine games so far for the Sounders this season. Has four starts, 351 minutes. He is considered a reserve supplemental player on the Sounders roster, meaning that he's making about 65500 a year as a minimum. And finally, goalkeeper Andrew Thomas, 23 years old. He's been called up to the roster four times for regular season in U.S. Open Cup. Uh, he has not played for them yet. And uh, he takes up that reserve uh, supplemental roster spot as well. So they're well represented at Seattle with players with uh, MLS experience, training with the MLS team, been called up or have actually, you know, played. And if Atencio's there, you've got someone who has regular appearances and could be considered a regular MLS pro. So it's going to be a tough task on the road all the way up in Tacoma. But out of that names in everyone I listed, the leader, especially in the attack for them, is uh, Marlon Vargas. He's a 17-year-old, is not listed with an MLS uh, contract, but that could be on the way. Because so far this year, he has 11 goals on the season, leads the team, scored two on the road last week against uh, Sporting Kansas City, two. And on top of that, he is tied for the team lead with four assists. Alfonso Ocampo-Chavez also chips in with seven goals and four assists. This is a powerful attacking team. Have they played a press and defense like City yet? Probably only when City played them at home very, very early in the season because nobody really presses like City too at least in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, and yeah, that game, uh, that home game against Tacoma that we played was way back in April. Um, I think actually it was the game that you went to, Sean. Um, did we win that game? Yeah, it was a squeaker, 4-3. Oh, yes, yes, that was, because
2: that was the one that I went to with Max. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was going to say, I, I, I just need to state that, um, for the record... Every time I've been to an Academy or City 2 game thus far, knocking on my wooden table in my cave, we have won and gotten all points from the games. Yeah, but you're not going to be in this
1: game.
2: (laughs) I know. I'm not saying someone should, you know, buy me tickets to away games. I'm not saying people should start. Sponsoring me by giving me tickets to home games, but uh, I've never <laughs> been to a losing
1: effort at any level of the city of the city I, machine. I totally am not saying that I am City Two's lucky charm and need free tickets. I'm totally you better knock not. On right now, knock on wood. Right now,
0: <laughs> there we go. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but uh looking forward to this week, it's a big game. We yeah. thought North Texas was going to be the big game. No, as it it turns out, this is the biggest game they probably play in the regular season. Yeah. On on our bye week, uh conditions had changed
1: uh quite drastically. Um this now is going to be the meeting of conquerors. Yeah, uh, we had talked about it being North Texas and us this previous game being the medium conquerors. I don't necessarily think that's true anymore.
0: Joe Klaus has been in town for a while. Pedro is in. Will we see them actually play against Tacoma is a big question, or do they stick to the winning formula that they already have?
1: Pedro just landed.
0: Yeah, he I wasn't just very got long in. ago. Klaus has been for a couple of weeks. Is he ready? Nah, I don't know.
1: We might see Berkey get another run out. I would not be surprised at all. Would not. I would not be surprised at all if, if, you know,
2: if any or none of them play, to be quite honest. Um, That's a long, honestly, trip. it all depends. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it all depends on how fit they are and how they're doing in practice. Um, yes, we're talking about practice um, because you can be you can be in, you know, fit, but if you're not showing well in practice like you're not coming along with what the system wants i don't think you're going to get the start but i would not be surprised at all if all of them got onto the pitch at least at some point in that game just to get them
0: in an actual game scenario in the system and as mostly long-term professional players coming in on a transfer they're signed for the city the mls club Training with the MLS Next Pro Club, getting on the field, getting some game time is all, you know, icing on the cake towards them and helps get them ready. And it's a great thing. But asking them to, say, take a bus ride, you know, halfway across or more than halfway across a continent might be a little too much to ask. And that's nothing against them. That's just a lot to ask it is and like you know they especially for like pedro
1: um who like i think just got in um there's still a lot of like acclimatization to be done acclimate uh getting acclimated to st louis sure um but there's only two home games left in the season for city two so if they're going to play they're going to have to go on these trips
0: Yeah, that's yet to be determined. But City 2 without them has been quite good. I think now is
2: definitely the time to get it done and get them on these road trips, have them deal with the long travel and the differing climates to what they're actually going to be staying in when they're playing at home. I could be, but
1: we've got plenty of time for that. I can't, honestly, like, I can't really think of a better way to get get players from Europe um, used to long travel times in the U.S. than stick them on a greyhound and drive them all the way up to to Washington State. In the pitch game. In a minor
0: league situation. (laughs) And get him to sign with the city. Uh, They were probably told that, yes, coach travel on commercial planes is part of the traveling process. But a bus trip to the Pacific Northwest, is that really what they signed up for? I guess we'll find out this upcoming week. And like I said, if they choose not to make that trip after just joining the club, uh so be it. Yeah. That's that's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. No, I I, yeah, I have nothing against them if they if they opt out. Um
1: I could see Berkey doing it. Uh, he, he's already put in a full 90. He got a clean sheet. I could see him being ready to go make the trip. I don't know about the other guys. They're still training. They're still getting their reps in.
0: I think Perky, Berkey also understands coming in with his, uh, CV that he's going to be looked at as a real team leader. So it, yeah, I could see him making the trip because of that, uh, buckling down, but it's a, it's a big ask. It's a big ass, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question.
1: So yeah, no hard feelings if nobody does go. But
2: I want to say one last bit to Mason's point. I wouldn't be surprised if all of them make the trip, if nothing else, just to get used to the travel and training in a place that's not your normal training grounds. Um, but not getting. Alerted. And I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But not even being named to the roster, but going with the team for sake of understanding how it's going to affect them going forward and on the first team. And then also, if they get the run out, great. That's just extra ups. But, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they all go along and actually get a feel for it to get acclimated so that next year is less of a
1: problem for them in actual MLS competition. Good point. Yeah, that is <laughs> I really had not considered that. That's absolutely possible. That really, I think, would depend on how much settling they still have left to do in St. Louis.
0: Good point as well. And uh, especially like Berkey and Klaus that have been here, have they got them working on their green cards? Because they've got time before the start of the MLS season. They get their green cards ahead of time. That frees up their international slot for the MLS roster. And with Lutz, you know, being... From Germany, international uh, spots. knowing the style he wants to play, the players he's familiar with, uh, freeing up more international slots could be a big deal in recruitment as we head into and get further involved with the roster build towards next season. Though I, that would have to be players that uh, Lutz determines are really going to be useful for the team. I think he's more focused on finding... MLS veterans, North American players, and perhaps South American players, which I highly encourage. At, at this point, he's said, "Yeah, he's going to be
2: attempting to focus more on this hemisphere for recruitment."
0: Yeah, and talking about the first teamers make the trip or not, and coming to the end and actually talking about playoffs for MLS next pro uh, means it's really starting to gear up. Time. Here in a few short weeks about uh, speculation and thoughts about how the rest of the roster will be filled out before next season in MLS for St. Louis City SC. And a big step this week was the release by the MLS Players Association of free agents who are eligible to be signed at the end of the season. It's in a, a very long list because the eligibility for free agency was uh, uh, made simpler and easier to obtain under the recent collective bargaining agreement. A specific thing was uh, active playing time was, like, shortened.
1: Yeah. So more people are eligible this year than would have been under previous rules.
0: And you can find the list somewhere on the internet if you're interested. For our purposes and talking about how they might apply to St. Louis City SC, There's really only four names for us to talk about, and perhaps really only two. But the top of the list is uh, Red Bull New York center back and U.S. Men's National Team center back Aaron Long. And the reason why he would apply to City is a pretty long list. He's been in the Red Bull system, which is going to be quite similar to what Lutz wants to play for quite some time. He's accomplished. He's uh, had a very good career in MLS, had chances to move to Europe, but Red Bull wouldn't let him go. Uh, Being a center back, he could be a real key cog to a system, but may not necessarily have to be a DP, because I believe that only Walker Zimmerman is a center back on a DP contract, and that was kind of given to him by Nashville. Under other circumstances, this could be a Max Tam contract if you're able to get him. One thing in City's favor is that uh, Bradley Carnell was his coach when he was assistant at Red Bull New York. Plays in the system. He's accomplished. And uh, him and Joachim Nielsen at the center back for an expansion franchise backed by Roman Burkey, It's pretty <laughs> pretty impressive to run a defense so he's pretty high up on the list another one that's out there that's enticing is sporting kansas city's daniel Shallowey. and uh sean what do you think the chances are that Shalloway actually be not signed and allowed to look around by sporting kc uh i would say slim to none um and a
2: lot of that's predicated on the fact that you know he did have that giant breakout season last year um a lot of the goals whether whether he scored them directly or not this year he's been very instrumental in that attacking play uh i think sporting's going to take it's going to take a lot to really wrench him away from that club this year um and i just don't see sporting or i don't see city wanting to do that or spending that kind of money um, that seems more of a splash signing than signing someone that fits the system. So I, I, I he he's a great winger. Don't get me wrong, and a great forward, but I don't think he fits the system as well as maybe someone else that's out there that's not in the MLS.
0: I agree, and uh, you know with Sporting KC, it's apparent that there's probably some sort of roster rework there as some of the uh, ones that haven't been injured are aging out. He's still young he's a homegrown it's the team he knows i i don't think he's an option another one is uh, lafc uh, fullback ryan hollingshead uh one of the very best attacking fullbacks in mls a longtime veteran brings that experience as well uh while city style so far with city two has been for the fullbacks to be very active and attack and he fits that mold I just don't think that uh, with his age, what the contract bearing upon the roster would be, and what his defensive prowess would be, that he really fits into what sporting director Lutz Fine and Steel is looking for in building the first team roster. Any disagreement? Uh, No, not really. Um, I remember we had a similar
1: conversation before the MLSPA list com- came out a couple months ago. And Hollingshead was some yeah, somebody that I brought up as being a possible fit. and we kind of said the same thing is I don't know if he really fits the kind of pace, the kind of system. he's really good, but um, yeah, I don't think that loot is going to reach outside of the system he wants. The other the final player on this list was the one that I was the highest on a couple of months ago and I think makes the most sense. And that's Latif Blessing.
0: Yeah, the L.A.F.C. midfielder. Hey. Yeah, he's uh, has a history of being an attacker. He has attacking talents. Uh, going to L.A.F.C. under Bob Bradley, uh, he became a defensive terror in the midfield. And remember when L.A.F.C. was very good their first two years. Their attack was devastating, but really what led them to the supporter Shield and the disappointments of not winning an MLS Cup is the fact that their press was the best in the league and was really the key to their success. I don't see LAFC letting him go, though some of their more high-profile signings may mean that they run into roster rule limitations and he may be able to walk, but is the price right? Still fairly young, seems to fit, but is he fit in Lute's style? I'm not sure whether or not he'd fit Lutz's
2: style of play, but I will say this. Um, I don't know how many people saw this, but uh, within a couple weeks ago, he had said that he was disappointed with how he was at, the, at this current point in time, and I believe he said, I want out. Yes, and uh, that that may be a a deciding factor in him switching systems, and maybe he's one of those players that has a skill set that could translate into said system, even though he hasn't played it yet. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if that if he transfers this
0: way and his skill set could transfer into said system. Yeah, and him becoming an enticing prospect to bring in really was led from running the LAFC press, a high press, not. You know, dissimilar, though not particularly similar to what we expect from City. Uh, him and Aaron Long have various reasons to think that uh, if any free agencies out there, they want to target uh, those, I would put high on the list. The rest of them, I don't see fitting unless they're just able to sign them as roster filler that fits a role out there. But Aaron Long and Latif Blessing, I can see as... Possible, viable uh, things that you might hear hard rumors about, not just us rumor-mongering like we are right now. Well, if we want to get into rumor-mongering, I've got a
2: couple of names I want to throw out there that I think could be uh, potentially... Probably not going to happen, but I think it'd be fun to talk about. Um, Specifically from Seattle, a team that has an absolute wealth of of players that they could let go and still have people to fill the spots. Um, Jimmy Madronda. I saw him for a few years at sporting and he performed very well, both in the midfield and in the, in the wing back position. And he's done well when he's been asked of what's been asked of him in Seattle. But more importantly, is there a potential for the boy to come home? And do we see Will Bruin potentially playing for city? Mm, maybe. They are both they are both free agents. Granted, Bruin is an option and Madronda is just straight up out of contract, but I, I, I as as a St. Louisan and a Desmet boy, I would love to see Will Bruin come back and play for the play for City just because Spartans stick together,
0: but you know, that's just me. Uh out of that team, Seattle in particular. If you really wanted to make a splash, make a run for Josh Atencio. We mentioned it earlier. I think he he really has something. You Jordan might. Morris is also on an option and out of contract, so...
1: Like they're not let let that letting Morris go.
0: <laughs> He's the son of the team doctor. I don't see him leaving. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even nepotism. It's just it's
1: Jordan Morris.
0: <laughs> Imagine stealing Jomo. Oh, I'd love to see it. But uh, Josh Atencio at 20 years old with the experience, but kind of been pushed out because the rise of Obed Vargas, he had an unfortunate injury at the start of the season. You signed Albert Rusnak, who can play anywhere. Uh, there might be a possibility if you really wanted a player like that. But does he fit the system? I don't know. Can he learn the system at 20 years old? If yeah, he plays for so. Seattle <laughs> and he started, you know, Twenty games for him overall, you got a feeling he can adapt, yeah, I, I think that the most crucial
1: thing about this is that Lutz has said in no uncertain terms, he is not signing anyone that he does not think will work
0: that is true,
1: flat out one hundred percent, he will not, so if he disagrees with
0: any with anything that we think, he will not pursue that player and that's why I focused on Latif blessing, perhaps and especially Aaron Long who does fit the mold, but how much you want to spend to try him away when you've already signed Joachim Nielsen. But boy, that center back with Berkey, Josh Yarrow is your backup, or perhaps a third center back if you play that style, uh, which working with the pushing up fullbacks could be a possibility. Lights out. And there's something very well to be said about that. But... That's enough speculation talk, and uh, you know we've hit the two thirds mark of the MLS season. Really heightens this because we're getting to the end of MLS. That means that the the off silly season silly the off season silly season for MLS rolls you know, off the tongue. Yeah, say that ten times fast uh, is gearing up, and that's where the real excitement before the first game is going to happen. It's not very far off. And to give us a rundown of what's been happening in the league at large, I'll turn it over to Sean Campbell. All right. Well, keeping along with some transfer talk, we'll start with the biggest
2: news in off the pitch in MLS. We've got Tati Castellanos confirmed on loan to Girona. Girona? Uh, Girona? It's probably Girona. Probably Girona. Girona? In uh, Spanish. In La Liga. Um, Yes, this is another City Football Group team. Um, The loan will be until June of 23. There is no permanent purchase option at the end of it. Um, And it's likely that this is a bit of a bet on uh, Tati's value only going up after a year in Europe, especially in La Liga. Um, but most importantly, this transfer is directly from NYCFC as opposed to being through, say, Man City, their flagship team. Which is the um, most
1: surprising twist
2: of this story, I think. Exactly, because of whatever roster complications or transfer money, fees, anything like that. Mike, I'm not as as up on the the rules of that as you are. You know it better than most. Would you please explain the implications here?
0: I'll try, from what I understand. Uh, Unlike the Jack Harrison issue where Manchester City bought him, put him out on loan, paid off for them in the long run with their plan, with the uh, loans out to places like Middlesbrough and then to Leeds, and eventually Leeds bought him and he became a primary player. That now Newcastle's trying to steal him away from Leeds, and Jesse Marsh says, no, you can't. He, we we do not want to lose Jack Harrison. He's in into the plans. This is different. Jack Harrison did not have the kind of value on his talents on the marketplace that the city football group is expecting from Tati Castellanos. Uh Castellanos, they've internally put a a figure of 15 million dollars US on his transfer fee and there was a lot of offers but nobody touched that number Heard rumors as much as like River Plate in South America going up to like high as 12. I, I saw you and some said 14. Yeah, they held but the line. Nobody. Leeds was they, in. Yeah,
1: they refused to let him go for less than 15 million. And they and this is he is going over there so he can play in Europe and get that extra mill on his on his transfer fee because they will not let him go for less than 15 million
0: or perhaps even more because. uh Sam Stasgall in The Athletic had an article where he quoted, uh, I believe his name is David Lee, uh, sporting director at uh, NYCFC, that they think that uh, there's hesitation, especially to sign South American players from MLS, or they haven't quite rated, as he said, MLS talent appropriately so far, that they gave him a showcase over in La Liga, uh then he could increase his value above 15 million if he has a a showing like like any of us watched him expects he's actually can do better he's he's ready for bigger and better things the big thing is by not loaning him or selling him to Manchester City and just being alone LAF uh LAFC yeah NYCFC then it, with an eventual transfer that could be more than the $15 million uh, valuation, then that money would go to NYCFC instead of Man, Man City. <laughs> Man City doesn't really need that money. Um, also, we'd have no word on what the loan fee might be to Girona. Uh, It could be a free loan for this very purposes. Uh, it, there could have been a bigger fee. One thing in the MLS rules that might play into that is for these fees, whatever they may be, they can convert 1.1 million plus into general allocation money in MLS, which is actually more valuable within MLS than the transfer dollars themselves. Maybe not being an owner, I can say that. Uh, so that's the reason for... The machinations behind this, as far as I can understand,
1: I also think that there might be an angle here that like herona has just come up from relegation for like the second time uh maybe Tati can get him up top of the table, help him stay up to increase the valuation of that club for city football group
0: city football group's smart, they do good business, and that could play into it as well because. Overall, increasing that increases the value of what they are building worldwide, and that just gives them another outlet and another way to push players like this and sell them on for a higher valuation. And
2: uh, going back to Mason's point, absolutely, um, this this could be a twofold A a, a twofold good thing for City Group because it, like you said, it does increase, it could increase the value of that team. Um, especially considering this would be only their third ever season in La Liga, with their first ever season coming back in 2017 18 season. They stayed up one year, got relegated, and then now they're coming back up. Um, this could absolutely. Catapult that team into being a competitor in that league, making NFT is an integral part in that, that could skyrocket his value. Uh, this is a team that's rocketed up the up the list. And as as recent as I think it was like 10 years ago, they were in like third or fourth division Spanish soccer, and that's just where they hovered was between those two. And now they're breaking into potentially mid-table top tier. This could be absolutely uh what's the word looking for um not catastrophic not catastrophic but the opposite of catastrophic meteoric rise that's the word I'm looking for meteoric rise for the team and for the player and ultimately doubly so for the city group.
0: It'd be very important to Citigroup if like we just talked about with that timeline for Hirona they've been a yo-yo club between first and second tier if they can solidify themselves in the top tier, maybe not challenged for titles or anything like that, but keep themselves solidly in, then that becomes a more valuable franchise to the overall worldwide group for City. Now the big question is, who replaces him?
2: Well, I mean, on the roster as it stands, NYCFC has two pretty obvious options that they could utilize to directly take that spot, and I think in my opinion, the most obvious is going to be Talis Magno because he's absolutely shown he can he can play in this league and score in this league, and he's having himself a great year. Uh, the only other option is a bear, unless you want to, you know, maybe. I, I mean, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but I think there's an option for DPS that NYCFC could take Maxi Morales's DP slot and buy him down with Tam. And then open up a DP slot if they really want to go out and find another DP player to fill that spot instead. Yeah, his uh
0: he's really by about by downable <laughs> <It> <laughs> MLS <works. laughs> term uh on Tam to free up that spot. But you know what? Honestly, I don't see them doing it. If you recall two years ago before a pretty serious knee injury, a bear was extremely good for NYCFC, and had Tati Castellanos playing on the wing. When Ebert went down with injury, then Castellanos went in to front the attack, and that's when he really broke out. Eber, we'll get into it this week, also had a star showing. I think he has the talent. If he doesn't do it, Magno has it. I think they're going to sit fine this year and uh, just play their usual game and uh, attract talent as they can find it rather than look for somebody to fill this slot at this time. Uh, They could showcase Magno because, actually, I think he has a bigger valuation on the world market, and they paid quite a bit for him to come in. He's very young, very talented Brazilian. I think they're they're really looking at him as the next big transfer out of that uh, MLS club.
1: If if NYCFC is looking to purchase anything, they should be looking to basically per- repurchase Tammany Hall and get some machinations going for a stadium in New York. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe if
2: they're going on that route, they may as well, you know, splurge and get an actual freaking
0: banner for their championship. That's more likely. There's no player in the world that can fund buying... buying property to build a stadium in Manhattan in Brooklyn right now. Even Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo couldn't even become close to buying up property to do such.
2: Well, I think that's enough of that, but also while speaking on teams that no longer play for teams in the MLS, uh, Austin FC and Cecilio Dominguez have agreed to mutually terminate that contract and that comes on the back of a bit of controversy, as he was accused of some domestic assault earlier in the season. Um, although MLS found him clear, he never played for Austin again, and never will
0: again. Yeah, it clears up a DP slot, and he was reinstated in May. And head coach Josh Wolf never played him, and <laughs> you know Austin didn't re- doesn't really need him anymore, so. Adios, Cecilio.
2: Until next time, my my uh, not-so-good buddy. But on the flip side of that coin, we have players coming in to MLS teams. And this name, um, remind me if you've heard this before, but uh, Orlando FC are signing Giacchini from Ligue, Ligue 2 side Kane after he was loaned from Kane to Montpellier in Ligue 1 and didn't play a lot but he has said he is excited to come home and play in america and some there's just something very right about nico giacchini coming back and playing in the mls
0: hope it works for him hope it works for the team they not creating chances or scoring goals if after his experience he looks freed and playing free and easy and is effective they can use him and it looks like he could really use the break and chance and opportunity to try to break through if he can.
1: Sometimes you just get tired of being French. And sometimes you get tired of
2: sitting on the bench. And maybe you want to get some minutes in so you can actually break back into the U.S. men's national team. Seems like there's a trend here, folks. Tell me if you've heard it before, but it seems like USMNT players are coming back to MLS to actually play games to make the roster as opposed to sitting on the bench in Europe to make the roster
1: hmm <laughs>
2: much to consider hmm but that's another con- another conversation for another podcast breaking out of you know keeping in the vein of non non league game issues but still being in the league we have some non league games um european teams have come across the pond to play some club friendlies in their off season while we're still playing our regular season Uh, There's a few losses there that we don't really want to talk about because they really don't matter, but we have a couple of important matches that we need to at least mention. First of all, we're
1: talking about the upsets.
2: (laughs) Yes, the upsets. Let's be real. They're upsets. Because, first of all, we have the loons up in Minnesota putting the absolute beat down on Everton. Four to nothing win over Everton. Granted, they lost Emmanuel Reynoso to an ankle injury in the process, but an absolute shock of a game that an MLS club could beat, and they started
1: a lot of their actual players. Four
2: to nothing.
1: Absolutely dropped the hammer on him.
0: Uh, after the match, uh, Everton head coach uh, Frank Lampard there's a thread running through this segment with him, uh, actually warned his players. They're in for a relegation battle. It was that bad. Minnesota didn't just win four nil. They beat the hell out of them. I'm imagining the, uh,
1: The uh, the meme that I've seen from a Premier League head coach, um, I think it's I think it actually might be Jose Mourinho, um, but it's edited to say it's edited to say if I speak, Twitter will suspend me. (laughs) 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 And I'm imagining the Everton head coach sharing similar sentiments.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, nothing against the loons, everything against Everton. If you're a Premier League side that can, that usually runs mid-table and you get beaten that horrendously by an MLS club, either MLS is up and coming or your team needs to be... You
1: need to ask some serious questions there. I think that both of those things can be true at the same time. They are not mutually oh, exclusive.
0: Oh, exactly. <laughs> and there was 100%. another shock in
2: those friendlies. This one is probably the more important one. Um, Yeah, this one was exciting Charlotte FC Charlotte FC was playing a friendly against Chelsea Yes, that Chelsea Blue on blue violence (laughs) Um, Chelsea and Charlotte ended up playing to a 1-1 draw after extra time And went to PKs And Charlotte takes the win in PKs Yes, Pulisic played Yes, Pulisic scored the goal Charlotte still takes the victory, though. Where is this form in league play, Charlotte, where you keep up with Chelsea starters and hold them to one?
0: Where is this, Charlotte? They were at you, home. If you can do that, you should be running this league. They were at home, where they're actually quite good. As opposed in regular season play, where they went on the road and it was an... Absolutely different story.
2: I I I don't think absolutely different is a strong enough term here. Um, I'd say diametrically different. Yeah, uh, catastrophically different. Um, when you when you take a team like Chelsea, the current UEFA Champions League winners. By no, the way, no, no, not Champions uh, League World Cup.
0: Uh, Club World. Ah, Cup sorry, winner. Club World Cup winners. Two years sorry, removed still from Champions League winners.
2: They 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 are within very recent memory Champions League winners. It's and Chelsea. And They were held to one goal. <laughs> it's Chelsea. <laughs> when, you, but I'm just saying, when you do that to them, and then go to Toronto and get shellacked four to nothing
1: in Toronto, what happened? Well, put this in perspective: um, playing at home in league play. Charlotte is seven wins, no draws, three losses. Away, this is counting the Toronto game. They are one win, two draws, and nine losses. Uh, Talk about
0: home field advantage. (laughs) Toronto had one too, but they drew a huge excited crowd because they had some new blood into a Moribund squad, didn't they? Oh, yes. The, the two Italians came in and
2: they put on an absolute show. Bernadette she has a goal and an assist in the game. Insigne has an assist in the game. Michael Bradley comes out and puts on the attacking performance of his life and gets a brace. That's just, this, this is the revitalized Toronto FC that it,
0: if they keep it up, might be able to take the league by storm. Possible. Uh, head coach Bob Bradley was actually smiling as much as he can smile. Sort of a smirk. Wait, he actually can smile? Well, it was looked more like a smirk than a smile, but uh, he looked happy. And in that first half, Toronto, their attack was so dynamic. Uh, they looked like LAFC under Bob Bradley during their first two years when they were dominating the league. Charlotte... Played a four-person midfield with a single pivot in the back. And, man, Osorio, Bernardeski, Insigne, Michael Bradley pushing up amongst other. Jimenez, Toronto just ran them over. Just ran over them. It was something else. Honestly, my phone was getting lit up on score
1: results from this game. But it by the time that I even considered turning it on, it was like 3-0 Toronto. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to turn this
0: on now. Game's over. <laughs> Bernadeschi, not Insigne, had the goal of the match with a banger from outside the box from about the same distance as Juan Cousin did for City 2 in this one. He was bright and lively. Insigne was just dominating attention and pulling everyone out. Uh, they looked class. They also looked like Michael Bradley was freed from being the captain of a young team that wasn't very good. He looks so much more lively. We'd seen him in a couple of years. And it could have been worse. Uh, former Leicester City star of their wonder year when they won the Premier League championship. Uh, he took a professional red card in the second half for a denial of Obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Dogs. Dogso! Oh. Oh. Dog's oh. It was a break, and he was the last man back, and he was be- beaten, so he didn't get beat. Uh, But Toronto already had the game in the bag. That was pretty much the end of the scoring, but what a performance, especially in that first half. I believe Insigne, don't know about Bernadeschi, came off at the half. Uh, so that could say something about the scoreline as well. But that first half was dynamic is the only word I can tell you. Look out, everyone.
2: Toronto's on a tear. Well, we could see one coming
0: from them. Well, we'll It's possible.
2: We'll see. It, it's, it could be
0: late late season playoff push. There is more uh, on that to come. Their defense is still crap, but if they can attack like this, who needs defense? Speaking of dynamic attacks,
2: we'll move on to our next game in MLS. And uh, this one was uh, SKC playing host to LAFC. They take the loss. It's getting used to having to say <laughs> that this year, and I don't like it. This one was uh, very,
1: very bearing of the emotions for Sean.
2: <laughs> but, Gareth, anyway, more importantly, Gareth Bale gets his first goal in MLS. And props to you, Gareth. You know, get get your knocks in while you can. Uh, you know, kick kick the dog while he's down and has all four of his legs broken and can't even roll over. But anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, Bale, Bale did uh, show, show his world-class skill and class on this one. He's on a break. He does a little cutback and just in step, just snaps off a shot. Get it into the goal. Would Melia have done better? You know, what can you do with SKC? They've just been devastated. I've already officially given them an excuse for the season. But they still have a chance. I mean, when it's Gareth chance. Bale, though. Yeah. They still have I mean, when it's Gareth Bale,
2: it's Gareth Bale. Yeah. Yeah. It's Gareth <laughs> Bale. And he showed you it. Don't, you, you don't just stop
1: Gareth Bale from scoring a goal. It's not that easy. You yeah. can only hope to contain him. No, and uh, he really showed his talent here. Anyway, Sean, is there anything you need to tell us about a family dog in your past?
2: (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) Um, No, that was just the analogy that came to my mind. (laughs) But no, as Mike was alluding to, as as the league struggles continue to happen for sporting, there is hope. Um, As I'll mention later, but uh, U.S. Open Cup is still... A possibility and we shall see how that turns out it may be the only redeeming factor for this club this season
0: uh going back to the uh, city two roster build there's still a lot of rumors out there that lafc might be willing to let christian arango go even though he scored in this game a banger has nine goals in his last 11 games There's still a feeling that head coach Steve Terundolo doesn't rate him because he doesn't have the defensive work rate. Uh, That kind of puts him out of Lutz's uh, field as well. But anybody that's scoring nine goals in 11 games is uh, a DP type player. Yeah, um,
1: I also think that Chirondolo is an absolute fool if he actually does genuinely feel that way. <laughs> Araujo has yeah, been lights out for LAFC. Are you
2: kidding me? And yeah, no, if you've got someone scoring at that clip, you don't let them go if you have any sort of wits about you when it comes to attacking players.
1: done a fantastic job this season with LAFC, but if that's the kind of thinking he has, maybe he was a one-and-done coach. <laughs> and in this game, the interplay
0: with Vela and Bale Harango was very much a part of that. It looks like he's really could even hit a higher gear with Bale on the side as well as Vela.
1: Yeah, uh, put those rumors out of your mind. I do not think that they are true. (laughs) But they keep sticking around.
2: Well, speaking of DP-level players, we have Tati's last game at NYCFC in a a 2-0 win over Inter-Miami. DT dp level, level dp level i said dp level he did say dp level and, and tati
1: is, a, for DP people tati is a dp
2: level player <laughs> but it's he- his last game in mls nycfc keep the tr- the, the subway train a chugging and they knock off Inter miami 2-0 and what else can i say but adios tati and best of luck
0: to you And we talked about in this one who's going to be the heir apparent to him to take up the striker role. Well, Hebert had the two goals, was the star of the game. Uh, He was a star before. Off the top of my head, I want to say he's actually a DP for this squad. Uh, And I think that he's a good call with it, with Magno, Talis Magno being pushed off to the wing uh like uh Hebert pushed off Tati Castellanos to the wing when he came into the squad a few years back.
2: Who knows? We might see we might see a little bit of a, a shake up there, but that's for next season to decide, I'm sure. Um keeping it right along with another DP level player, we have RSL against FC Dallas. Uh they hosted FC Dallas and they lost one-nil to FC Dallas. Because Jesus Ferreira hits a nice, very important um, few milestones for him and for the club. He hits the 30 goals, 20 assists mark at the age of 21 or younger. And the only other player for FC Dallas to do that is Diego Fagundes. Remind me where he's playing right now, everybody. Is isn't he at Austin FC right now? Diego. Yes, he is Fagundes. and having a very good season.
0: Of course, Fagundes, <laughs> yeah. I think. Is hey, that a name we've Yeah.
1: Is that a name that we should know? <laughs> yeah,
0: he's only Such, been in MLS yeah. uh for like 12 years and he's like 26 years yeah, old. Yeah, very uh, very obviously, obviously like
1: slash S. Yes, you absolutely should know who Diego Fagundes is speaking of names we should know um other players
2: that have had 30 goals and 20 assists over the course of their entire career for just fc dallas of any age they include players like uh michael barrios who's currently at the rapids we've talked about him a little bit fabian castillo i'm not sure if we've mentioned him on the show but uh Guys, remind me if you've ever heard this name before. Um, Jason Christ,
0: does that ring a bell? Yeah, wasn't, for anybody at all. Wasn't he pushed out of a job by Jesse Marsh in New York. Um, I think so. I mean, it's it's not
2: like he's a club legend or anything, and has almost a hundred goals in MLS his in his MLS career
0: or anything. Oh wait, he does. Yeah, he a little um, controversy but, in RSL as well, and uh, famously failed to win the Olympics. The, not this time around but the last time to qualify with the uh u.s inter team but no I never heard him either way
2: though that's some uh, in both categories those are some great names to be accompanied with as far as stats um so props to you jesus Hopefully you can keep rolling this Dallas train along, and I'd, I again I can't wait for a, a a matchup between all three of these teams in the playoffs, and I want it to happen this year. Houston, get your together. <laughs> Moving right along to the next game on, on the list, we've got the Sounders hosting the Rapids. Uh, Sounders win that game two one. Um, they had to play the second half down a man because Kellen Rowe made a. Uh, absolutely stupid mistake two minutes into the
0: second half and gets his second yellow of the game oh it's terrible he just takes a ball he didn't get it off of a wayward pass flips over the balls up in the air he knocks it over the advertising hoardings on the side gets a yellow for time wasting he's Uh, already on a yellow and he pulls that shenanigans it was pretty weak it was weak sauce both but obviously it was time wasting so that gets a yellow what was he doing on the other hand, what was Colorado doing with the man up for the second half? Oh, not scoring because they haven't really got anybody in the attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what were they doing? Getting they butts kicked.
2: <laughs> Getting they butts kicked. And by that, we mean they were already tied and they give up a penalty kick in the 71st minute. And the Sounders put it away and go ahead while down a man. Of course, because it
0: is the Seattle Death Star. Yeah, Colorado, their lack of talent that uh, didn't seem to harm them last season when they won the Western Conference just isn't enough so far this season. It's almost as if they're yeah, they're owned by uh, somebody that doesn't care about the product on the field.
2: I was going to say, it's almost as if their owner should take an interest in actually signing players that are going
1: to win championships or something. The owner doesn't even know he owns the team. (laughs) That's that's fair. We have established this. But for Seattle, their comeback has to start somewhere, right? Because they've been on the skids. And this is a team that on paper deserves to be top of the table in the West, and they simply are not.
0: And, uh, What seems to be a very good win for the Sounders here with a man down, again, their weakness showed. They created chance after chance, even a man down. They were dominant in attack, couldn't put the ball in the net. I don't recall ever watching a team that hits the woodwork on so many shots during a game over and over and over and over like they've done for going on a full year now. I can think
1: of one team that had the post rattled as much, and it's the Vegas Golden Knights in their first season. (laughs) That's a different conversation (laughs) for a
2: different podcast. Moving right along to the next game, we've got a game between the Vancouver Whitecaps, keeping this one in Cascadia a little bit. Vancouver Whitecaps hosting the Chicago Fire, and they lose this game 3-1, all because of an absolute... Uh, what's the word of looking for? Uh classic Sheridan Shakiri out- output. Uh he puts in the type of performance we always expect from him. He gets a goal, gets an assist, owns that midfield and the Fire are now within 2 points of that last
0: playoff spot in the East. Was this in Vancouver? Did the Fire win this in dominant fashion on the road? Uh I believe I believe that they did. Yes.
1: Um yes, this mm-hmm. was in Vancouver. Yeah. And also this is the kind of performance that uh Chicago has wanted and needed out of Shakiri for the whole season.
0: Well, Shakiri is an exciting, dynamic player that can do amazing things in the moment, but he's not really been known in his history for consistency. But I think Ezra Henderson, their rookie head coach, is a good one, uh, with a lot of MLS experience as an assistant. And some of the attacking talent they have could really have them pushing forward and beware teams in the East, uh, Toronto, and now it looks like even the Fire could be trying to climb the ladder uh, as we head into the uh, butt end of the season
2: it takes a very uh a very close race for those last couple of playoff spots and makes it even closer
0: and the east is so unbelievably tight chicago's really close to getting everybody's. That eight spot uh, toronto's in last place and they've got a lot of teams to cover but the point spread is to the playoffs is minimal uh every game that's played amongst the eastern conference uh below the top 4 is a six pointer for the rest of the season. This is, so that's it, exciting it stuff. It really
1: like what stands out here right is it's the Chicago Fire and it is a profound turn of fortune for them. Cuz they were bad last season and they were bad to start this season, but now here they are in 10th.
0: Yeah, literally got to get over the line. Yeah,
1: it, it, Sean put it in the notes within spitting
0: distance of a playoff spot. Who isn't? Last place is in sp- bidding distance that's toronto that we just saw boggle the mind with a a, a attack performance in the first half against charlotte this really is gonna be another
1: season that comes down to decision day isn't it uh maybe oh every season of
0: decision day and especially every season is yeah welcome
2: to my world as an mls fan everybody
0: that's right it is very exciting any given
2: sunday (laughs) any given sunday Keeping it in Cascadia, once again, we've got a Timbers game up against the San Jose Earthquakes team, Chaos. Or not so chaotic as it seems last couple weeks. Uh, Timbers win this 1-2-1, one, one, but most importantly, uh, there's there's a bit of a 7 going on here. Uh, there are 7 yellows in this game, but on top of that, Portland has also been unbeaten in their last 7 games. Could we potentially be seeing Portland making a turnaround And getting one of those playoff spots back.
1: Well, if they they manage to find another seven, like perhaps find the seventh seed in the playoff spot, then they hit the jackpot. What's going on? And then they win.
0: Yeah. What's going on in Cascadia where the Sounders and the Timbers are well noted for just turning it on the second half and making a move? Here come the Timbers. There's something in the water. (laughs) And now those seven unbeaten, I believe there's only one draw.
1: Yeah, no, the, there's something in the water, like Sean said, and I think what it is, is it's the blood of the Sounders and the Timbers smell it.
0: Uh, also, Eric Williamson came back in their deep midfield for the Timbers, and ever since then they've gone on a run, and he's been fantastic. And it's,
2: yeah, I mean, but that's also well noted in uh, Gio Savarese's tenure up there, that they historically do not start the season well, but put the late push in get a playoff spot, and then if it's not them, it's the Sounders representing the West in the conference finals unless it's
0: someone else that wins it. But it's usually been those two. And lately, there hasn't been anybody else in the MLS Cup from the Western Conference other than those two. Although I will say this, I think this next club uh,
2: might be able to give them a, a, a decent run for their money this year. Uh Austin FC, our our friends in green down south. They Those played they host, played host to they ended up playing host to uh Red Bull, New York. They lost this one 3-4, but this is a veritable clash of the young Titans here. Uh Driucci gets a brace. It's not enough to get them level, but Austin and, and Red Bull, I think these two might be the teams of the future from each conference.
1: Yeah, I uh, I didn't watch this game, but I was following it, and this scoreline is so much closer than it looked, because this looked like it had Red Bulls written
0: all over it. Yeah, watch this one. Red Bulls just ate them alive, and Austin kept making defensive uh, mistakes for the first, well, let's say seventy minutes of this game, I think, and then Sebastian Driessi, MVP candidate, uh, took over, scored a couple of goals. Uh, They brought on Austin, now has a new winger, Washington Garozo, who's on loan from Pumas with an option to buy. Pumas, of course, being from Liga MX and lost the CCL final to the Sounders. He's on this team, not a DP level, I believe. They got a DP spot opened up. Don't know if they'll use it here in this window as it closes, but they got the opportunity. Huh? Austin looks pretty damn good. Even though they took the loss here, and if they didn't make the stupid mistakes in the first half. But on the flip hand of that, Red Bulls looked really damn good for 70 minutes, and they shouldn't be discounted either. No, um,
1: when you look at the Eastern Conference, all the talk is Philly Union and NYCFC. Red Bulls are there hunting. Um they're in third place. They're quite a few points behind, but um that race for third there is tight and the Red Bulls keep fending off all attackers.
2: Oh, absolutely. New Yorker the Red Bulls are putting in a great show and I think there's going to be a nice nice rivalry up there in the in the metro area for a few years to come. Moving from one side of the two-team cities to the other two-team city, we have the Galaxy playing host to Atlanta. And I did manage to watch this game. And this one was all Galaxy in a 2-0 win over Atlanta. It just... Atlanta couldn't keep up. Kevin Cabral even got a goal, and it's his first goal in goodness knows how long. I think it was like September of last year that he last scored for the club. Um, but it, it was, it was just all galaxy. Jovalich even came on in his super sub role, got another goal. And he's quoted after the game as saying, I am the future of galaxy. And that is an exact quote from Jovalich.
0: Should be. He He's the guy for them. That's consistently putting the ball in the net. Cabral scored for the first time as a DP and how long? Unbelievably long. And then he missed, somehow missed, an absolute sitter later in the half. But he did get the goal. Galaxy looked good. Atlanta didn't. Galaxy didn't put the game away. Atlanta did their usual late push because they overloaded with attacking talent and could do that. But Galaxy all the way in this one. Atlanta looks really lost right now. And their front office isn't helping them.
1: The wheels have really kind of come off the bus in Atlanta.
2: So it seems. It seems to me that you know maybe coming out and being explosive in your first year or two as a, uh, in your first year as an expansion team may not be the best of looks. Well, if- That's what I'm seeing, play the first year and look good, but not be dominant, and then hopefully you can just keep growing on it as opposed to nothing but down from here.
0: If your VP and your sporting director conspire to completely rip it apart. To make it about them, that's what happens now, the VP Darren Eels has left. There's a lot of machinations going, going
1: on in Atlanta that is beyond being a, a later year expansion club Hey, yeah, I just felt it needed to be said. It does kind of need to be said because we are eventually going to become one of those later year expansion clubs. How are we going to handle it?
0: That's the joy of the journey, and we'll be watching very closely. <laughs> all right. Well, one last thing before we
2: go. We do have a couple of national championship games to be played. Uh we have the Whitecaps hosting Toronto FC for the Canadian Championship and that the winner of that game gets a CONCACAF Champions League spot. This is going to be a, an intense one. Um I did I believe that one will be finished by the time that you all are hearing this. So I don't feel a need to actually go into a preview. Um, As for the other games, we have some U.S. Open Cup semifinals. We have Orlando hosting Red Bull New York. That'll be played Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central. And Sacramento is playing host to Sporting Kansas City Wednesday night at 9.30 Central. If you get a chance to watch these games, please do. And fingers crossed,
1: let's go sporting. (laughs) The Prodigal Son returns. The U.S. Open Cup is back. It has returned to us. We must embrace it fully and with warmth because it has come home to our bosom. And these are important games
2: because
0: they are semi-finals. I got a clear pick in the first game, but uh, Sporting KC on the road against Sacramento that's made it this far, the USL Championship side, uh, is... Sporting KC the favorite in this one, given everything that's gone through them. But man, they showed class in the U.S. Open Cup. How confident are you about uh, Sporting getting to the final, Sean? Um, in this case,
2: I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Nine times out of ten, when you have no idea why PV does what he does, he's out here playing 3D chess, and everyone else is playing checkers. I think there's a little bit of that going on. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy win, and Sporting's going to make it through guaranteed. But uh, if you if you know Peter Vermees and you know this club, I I think you can say that they're more than likely the favorites, even if the 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 betting books say otherwise. Oh, I mean, but <laughs> I think Red Bull New York is
1: making that final. And it's going to be. Red Bull New York, and Sporting KC. Yeah, I I mean, the the books are going to be in favor of SKC because it's the MLS side. I think that Sacramento's a dark horse here.
0: Well, of course, with their injuries, but I believe once you lose two DPs to season-ending injuries so early in the season like never happened to an MLS club before, Peter Vermees put his chips down on U.S. Open Cup, They've had a pretty favorable draw so far. It sets up nicely, but will Orlando's having a run? They're not very good in the league, but they've had a pretty good run here. Will the Red Bulls focus, even at this stage, on the regular season and not quite focus on Orlando? And can Orlando get a surprising upset? I Don't think so. Something to think about. Yeah, I do unfortunately have
1: to root against Sporting Kansas City because I want to see a lower division team make the finals. Sean is making a gesture that I 100% expected him to make when I said that, but I stand by what I said. Um, But no, I think that Sporting Kansas City has absolutely played their best games this whole year in U.S. Open Cup. They do have a shot at this. They don't have a shot in in the league. We all kind of understand that. They do have a shot at this. They have played their absolute best games in the Open Cup.
2: They're going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink at this game. And if they don't, then I don't know what's going on there.
0: Will Tim Melia
2: be available? Uh, that one depends on injury report. But if he's even 80%, I think they throw him in there. But... I'd rather see Pulse Camp just because he needs to start getting reps. Because you can't just have a cold goalie go in, you know, when Mulia retires.
0: Yeah, and Meulia is not really on the young side of his career either. Uh, so yeah, you need to give Pulse Camp if he's the going one. Played pretty well. I I see keeping him in for an important game like this, which is so important to Sporting KC's season. It's the only thing they got going.
2: Oh, absolutely. So again, you're going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink at this one. And then again, once we get the final, if we play in the final, but uh, they expect sporting to just come out of the gates, absolutely firing all cylinders and trying to steamroll Sacramento. It's going to be like a one nil game. It may even go extra time, but they're going to do everything in their power to make sure they
1: don't lose this game. Yeah, I I do foresee Casey battling this one out, um, and I, I expect them to ultimately win. I want them to lose, because I want the chaos, I want the cup set, I want a lower division team in the finals of the U.S. Open Cup, but I don't expect it.
0: And I think that wraps up uh, another show this week. Sorry for the delay last week. Ladies and gentlemen, we had some... Technical gremlins that appeared and disrupted uh, the work the flow. process <laughs> on that but hopefully that doesn't hit us this week. We still got it out last week, so that's good news. And hey, I'm your host Mike Turner. I'm your producer Mason, and I'm your cave dweller Sean, and we are the soccer capital podcast. We really do appreciate you all listening. Bye for now.